From Capital Public Radio in Sacramento, this is Insight. I'm Beth Ruiak. As part of a request under the Legislative Open Records Act, Cap Radio has counted the sexual harassment complaints last year filed with the California legislature and how much money taxpayers spent investigating them. But the Senate and Assembly are so far denying that data for this year, for 2019, under the legislature's new workplace conduct unit. Cap Radio's Capital Bureau Chief Ben Adler is joining me in the studio to talk about his reporting. It's a complicated story. You can read much more about it in detail at capradio.org. Hi, Ben. Glad to have you here. Good to be back, Beth. So the We Said Enough effort in the California legislature in 2017 paralleled the national Me Too movement. And through 2018, through last year, and I guess into part of January of this year, data on sexual harassment accusations and their investigations in California government were available, right? Right. So in uh, February of last year, several months after the Me Too and We Said Enough movements had reverberated through the Capitol and there were uh, significant calls for cultural change and also transparency from the legislature, the cultural change uh, seeking to reduce, uh, obviously, the harassment at the Capitol that has been said to be uh, somewhat widespread. And then the, the transparency to, you know, for the legislature to start making public certain numbers of allegations and how much money is being spent investigating them and, and so on and so forth. The the Senate and Assembly, uh, which had at that point separate systems and kind of did their own right. things with a fierce mm-hmm. independence, made two decisions. One is that they would begin releasing specifics on allegations that had been substantiated against lawmakers or senior staff. At that time, they released 12 years of aggregate data about the numbers of complaints that had been filed, not anything involving which ones were substantiated, no names were involved, but the aggregate data about complaints against lawmakers, against staff of any level, senior or junior, against others that had been filed, so that would would include lobbyists, for example, staff changes that had come as a result of any substantiated findings or perhaps even unsubstantiated findings, and uh, how much money had been spent on outside investigations. So that data was put out in February of 2018. At the same time, the legislature began moving toward the creation of a new system that would be housed, that is currently housed, in the Legislative Council's office. It's uh, That's the law- basically the lawyers for the entire legislature, the Senate and the Assembly. And this way you would have one system, not two in different houses, so there would be some constant. And you could also have, you know, in theory, if someone is, if there's a complaint filed against the same person in one house and the same person in a different house, you'd have a centralized location where all of that could be could be known. And that's something called the WCU. Yes, the Workplace Conduct Unit, the WCU. So now fast forward to September of this year. And the the WCU, I should say, took effect in February of this year. So we have data coming out in February of 2018. The Workplace Conduct Unit, there were several hearings held in 2018 toward its creation and then um, legislation passed to provide funding for it. The unit was up and running, ready to go, ready to start receiving complaints and investigating them in February of this year. Its first substantiated finding that was made public against a lawmaker or high-level staffer came out in September of this year. It was against a staffer uh, for a a senator, um, a district office staffer who had since left the Senate and ironically gone to work for a political rival. Uh, It had been the only um, 
legis- uh, only allegations substantiated out there. So we thought, well, it seems like a good time to ask for updated data from that you know, aggregated data of the numbers of allegations, anonymous, no names attached, that had come out in February of 2018, the chart that the legislature had put out, each chamber, the Senate and the Assembly. So then the question becomes, how do we go about getting that data? And so that's where that was the spark for the story. And then we began reporting it out. So let's go through a couple quick questions on your procedure here. Did you initially go separately to the Senate and the Assembly? Yeah. I, in, in fact, I, I because the legislature has maintained that it is not obligated to give out this data under uh, the legislature, by the way, has its own special public records act called the LORA, the Legislative Open Records Act. It is more restrictive. It is it allows them to be more restrictive in what they give out than the California Public Records Act, which uh, covers uh, other state and local agencies. Uh, but so, yeah, we, I, I called up the speaker's office and the pro tem's office and the Senate. I said, hey, I'm looking for this information. In the past, you guys have said um, we don't necessarily need to give it up under Laura, um, but we're going to get provide it in the interest of transparency and culture change. And this year they said this year they said, go ahead, file it as a Laura. We'll let you know. Two months later, Alora being the Legislative Open Records Act yes. request. Uh, two months later, the Friday, 5 p.m. Friday before Thanksgiving, I, I get their responses. And uh, they provide the data up until the creation of the Workplace Conduct Unit, so up through the end of January of this year. Uh, Let me pause you there. Yes. So were they implying that there was a different procedure you should have gone through to get data under the WCU, or was it not going to be available? The latter. Mm. The latter. So they provided the data up through January for the old system. So that was consistent with what they had uh, the data they had provided in February of 2018. So they were doing the same thing they had done in the past and being uh, in offering up this transparency. And then for the workplace conduct unit, starting in February of this year, uh, the two houses deferred to the legislative council's office, which denied, citing attorney-client privilege and that the data is not required to be divulged under the Legislative Open Records Act. Okay, we're going to get in a moment to some details about what you did get under the Legislative Open Records Act request. But once you had that data, did you then go back to them and say, all right, now I have the information. Now will you respond? What I said to them was to, to both houses, so the Speaker's office and the Assembly, the Pro Tem's office and the Senate, I, I, I asked for some clarifications or any of these allegations, multiple allegations against the same person, for example, because that information had been provided in the past. But what I really went back to them and said is, look, you guys may at some point or may not decide to release information from the workplace conduct unit. But for now, you're choosing not to. And that is a break with past precedent of we now have 13 years from 2006 through the end of 2018. So 13 years of data in the aggregate about the numbers of complaints. In order for, you know, the fact that you're choosing not to provide this information, that's an important part of my story. I'd like to give you the opportunity to offer any sort of rationale or statement or explanation for it. Maybe it's something that's, maybe there are other considerations there. So eventually, a few days later, and this was over Thanksgiving, so it took time, they, they gave me a statement and I put it in the story, but we did lots of due diligence and going back to them and saying, you ought to have the opportunity to make your best argument if you're going to keep this information uh, private, at least for now. One point of clarification. Mm-hmm. If you file an Open Records Act request, then what's under that umbrella is not the data contained and kept by the WCU, correct? 
Uh, that is a more complicated question than I'm qualified or that we have time for answering. Yeah, in this, I guess in this what segment. I'm getting to is ultimately, will there be a way to file some sort of request that allows you to get the data from WCU or can that joint Senate assembly unit always keep it contained? I think it has the uh, they believe they do not need they are not obligated under the law to release it. There could be a lawsuit to try to force the release. But uh, what I suspect and what the Senate and Assembly said in separate statements is that there are ongoing discussions about potentially releasing additional information. Um, so we will see what happens. And it's very important to say that just that uh, to include the caveat of this information was not provided, at least at this moment, but may be provided in the future. And so we spoke with some folks who talked about why that might need to be released and what we would want to know. You're listening to Cap Radio's Capitol Bureau Chief Ben Adler. His investigative story posted uh, this week at capradio.org, and it's headlined, California Legislature Won't Disclose Sexual Harassment Complaint Data. To some people, what we just went through is a little bit like making sausage because we're talking about the procedure of how you report a story like this. It also helps in the understanding of what was available and what wasn't. So and let's... building trust with our audience and, and folks who might want to know how do you go about reporting this story at a time when there's there's some questions about trust in journalism. And what avenues can you take yeah. when you hit a wall? I do want to get to some of what that information was. What did you learn about the number of accusations in the Senate and the Assembly? We learned there were 15 allegations in calendar year 2018, zero in January of 2019, uh, two allegations against assembly staff, two against the, two separate allegations against the same assembly member, uh, four allegations against Senate staff, four allegations against senators. Those were among the findings and nearly $2 million spent on outside investigations. That morsel had earlier been reported this year by the Associated Press, the $2 million figure. Some context about where those numbers are in terms of higher or lower based on that past aggregate. It is a steep drop. In, in the assembly and an increase of record high in the Senate. So I, I would I would point out that we probably need to wait several years to compare old system, new system, and the point in time of fall 2017 at the dawn of the Me Too movement before we can draw any hard conclusions. But that is the whole point, that the data must be public in order for the conclusions to be drawn. And let's get to that. Some of the voices who are saying we need this bigger picture over time to know whether, in fact— this idea of it being a culture of harassment is in fact true or is it changing? Mike Letizia runs a Stockton-based human resources consulting firm and he leads training courses on behalf of the California chapter of the Society for Human Resource Management. And uh, here's what he had to say about the legislature and the workplace conduct unit. They are standing behind this process. They're saying that this is going to absolutely fundamentally uh, have an impact. And the only way that we're going to know that is if we have statistics that back it up. Simply saying that it exists is not going to actually help reaffirm that those efforts are actually taking place. So I truly believe that we will need to see that information in a reasonable amount of time. And I would, I would think that a reasonable amount of time be within a 12-month period so that we understand how those efforts are succeeding or not succeeding. I would imagine they need to see that information as well. 
Mike Letizia, the human resources consultant, saying the legislature, too, would need to see that information because if their current system hasn't done enough to change the culture and reduce sexual harassment allegations or actually, you know, actual harassment itself at the Capitol, that they might need to take some additional or alternative steps. We also spoke with Samantha Corbin, who was a Sacramento lobbyist who helped mobilize women as part of the Me Too movement in 2017. She currently serves as executive director for the advocacy group We Said Enough, and I asked her what kinds of information ought to be made public from this new workplace conduct unit. Certainly, we need to know how many complaints have been received. Of those, how many did they determine had merit enough to investigate and or are they currently investigating? Of those, how many did they substantiate, regardless of if it was a legislator or high-level staff? And then of those, how many did they settle and how much taxpayer dollars were expended for a settlement? How much taxpayer dollars were expended on council? It seems fair to say that the We Said Enough movement was not just about allegations or naming people. It was about the picture of what's actually happening and what's being done about it. So this WCU conducts investigations into the allegations, and then a panel of outside experts decides whether those are substantiated, and then they can make the recommendations on potential consequences. When the WCU was set up, were there rules about Um, keeping the data under wraps or making it accessible to the public? When the Workplace Conduct Unit was set up, the policy, which uh, is available publicly, said that the legislature will continue to release the allegations, substantiated allegations against lawmakers and senior level staff, especially ones that um, have discipline imposed. Uh, it was silent on when any of this any of this aggregate data that they had released in February of 2018 would be released. And in all honesty, uh, you know, I, I can't obviously talk about off record conversations, but my sense is that I'm not sure how much of you know how many of the discussions were even had about whether to release workplace conduct unit aggregate data Mm. until my public records request was filed. I think, you know, people had raised the issue, but I don't think there had been any coordinated discussions between the two houses and the Legislative Council's office about it. Uh, My understanding is that those discussions are beginning to happen now. And I want to make clear that that Mike Letizia, the human resources consultant, said, look, a reasonable amount of time for them to release this information would be, you know, 12 12 months months. or so. Well, that isn't now. We're not at 12 months. Mm -hmm. February is 12 months. So, um, you know, they did deny the, the public records request now. And we've been clear in saying for the moment it has been denied. Uh, We will all be watching what happens in February at the one year mark of the workplace conduct unit to see what, if any, and if so, what kinds of information are released at that point. So let me direct you to capradio.org, where all of the reporting that Ben is talking about and more, plus graphs created by Emily Zentner of our digital team, are available, which make it pretty easy to see and compare what's happened over time. It's it's sort of a snapshot in time story about, as you say, where we are right now, with more perhaps to come in February. But I think it's a, a, an important body of reporting, and for people who have been tracking this movement, and tracking what's happening at the Capitol. It's the next step. I couldn't say it better. All right, Ben. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for the reporting. And again, that information is at capradio.org. Thank you. You're welcome. You're listening to Insight on Cap Radio.
This is Cap Radio 90.9 Sacramento and 91.3 Stockton Modesto, your NPR station. We get support from Golden One Credit Union, a member-owned financial institution with more than 1 million members throughout California. Golden One is thanking its members with a give back. Learn more at goldenone.com. We get support from Side Hill Citrus, growers of organic tree-ripened Satsuma mandarins in Placer County for over 40 years. Picked daily and available at the intersection of Highway 193 and Old State Highway in Newcastle. SideHillCitrus.com. Hi, this is Stacy in Rockland, and I've been a longtime listener of Capital Public Radio. Both my kids have grown up uh, knowing the voices of the on-air personalities, and Cap Radio is just a part of our life. Well, thanks a lot, Stacey. Well, my name's Nick, and I'm in with Sally Schilling, and we're here to ask people just like you to become members of CAP Radio with a generous contribution by phone or online. If you're enjoying Insights, we're going to get right back to it with a discussion about uh, wrapping up our latest podcast series, Making Meadowview, with host Pauline Bartolone, and a whole lot more discussion still to come culturally uh, in and around the Sacramento Valley. It's here every day thanks to people just like you. Make your contribution right now by calling one 800 that's 1-800-800-5867 or at capradio.org that woman just talked about familiar voices she hears maybe that familiar voice for you is nick bruner over here who does he's the host of hey listen yeah no one listens to <laughs> i do and if he, you've ever discovered a new song a new band or just heard a story that really resonated with you think about donating just 19 bucks a month to cap radio you will feel great doing it think about think about all the things you spend 19 bucks a month on you know, impulse buys at Target. But think about how often you listen to Cap Radio and you've been thinking about doing this for a while. Now is the time. It's super easy. Go online, capradio.org, or pick up the phone. That number again is 1-800-800-5867. 1-800-800-5867. And it's really easy to take for granted Cap Radio because, you know, you don't have to pay for it for it to be here. I mean, theoretically, yes, you absolutely do. But, I mean, realistically, if, if you've never given before, you've never given before. We've always been here. You can listen anytime. But think about how good you'll feel when you give right now. That $19 a month contribution is something you're kind of on the fence on. Well, think about this. You can stretch your $19 a month contribution even further when you choose the food bank option with that gift to Cap Radio right now. That means a portion of your gift will benefit a food bank in your area determined by your zip code. So the more you give, the more meals that Cap Radio can help provide when you donate right now. Select the food bank option at capradio.org when you go $19 a month or more or when you call 1-800-800-5867. Right now, call 1-800-800-5867. We've had a ton of people choose that food bank option, I think, because it's the giving season, right? You want to give back to your community, the most needy. How about doing a two-in-one, you know, give to Cap Radio that gives so much to you and at the same time help provide meals for other people. And that $19 a month, you also get a cool swag item if you so choose. That's our Cap Radio sweater with a brand new logo. You can be one of the very first people to sport Cap Radio's brand new logo around town while you're keeping warm (laughs) this winter. $19 a month, you can ask to pick that thing up or just say you want your entire contribution to go to the radio station. Whatever it is that you choose, however it is you choose to give, now is the time to do it. So don't wait around any longer to call 1-800-800-5867. Again, that's 1-800-800-5867. Or go $19 a month at our website. It's capradio.org. And thanks.